Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. We conclude this series that I've done on sin, and I'm concluding with eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Is it possible to live a sin-free life where you don't sin? Well, it's not important what you think. It's actually not important what I think. It's important what the Bible says. I'm going to read you a scripture that when I was doing my devotions many years ago as a 22-year-old preacher, this jumped out at me, and it, it changed the course of my preaching because it, well, I'll read it. Hebrews 6.1 in the New Living Translation. Listen to this, Hebrews 6.1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. That's what he starts with. Let us stop going over the basics. Hey, praise boom in Nigeria, West Africa. What city? I'm one of the rare Americans that know Africa's not a country, and I actually know cities. I've been to Nigeria, so I'd love to know where you're from. I know Abuja. I know Port Harcourt. I know Lagos. I know uh, Wari. Mm, that might be about it. Morning, Gina, Raina, Lyric, Belinda, Franklin. Ah, Zimbabwe. Awesome. Put your, uh, in fact, everybody, just put your city and nation up where you're watching from. That interests me. Probably from traveling. You're welcome, Justice. Love Canada. Morning, Kareem. Hey, can you, can you throw that testimony up? Real quick, that I put on, hey, Drea, that I put on um, Instagram. California, Florida, McDonald, Pennsylvania, summer, good to see you. Phoenix, Arizona, Christopher. I think I'm going to have a dinner in Arizona just for all our partners and friends out there. Oh, that's cool. Your local chief and council in Canada, First Nations. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We have somebody from Louisiana producing the program today. Austin, Texas. Lubbock, Texas. Great to see you. Check this out. This was sent in last night. Thank you, Brother Jonathan, for everything you're doing for God and his kingdom. Last year, my life changed because of your ministry. I'm born Muslim, but decided to give my life to the Lord and receive Jesus Christ by praying with you. It's been hard for me to connect and tithe with a church since all the churches in Canada have been closed, but I've been giving to Revival today and couldn't be happier to support you. I've also started a clothing brand called, and I just blacked it out simply because I'm not the most uncontroversial person. So if they started some kind of social media boycott campaign because I posted that, I would feel bad. I started a clothing brand to honor our Lord and would love to send you some gear as a thank you. And the guy makes amazing clothes. He actually has a you know, pretty major people on social media wearing his stuff. So I thought that was great. That's from Check the News. 
And he's been serving the Lord looking for a place to tithe for, for a year. Made me happy. Come to Minnesota, we'll grill you steak and pork chops. Well, that, that would help swing me in the direction of coming. My chief and council passed an isolation law, seven days for those fully vaccinated and 10 days for those not fully vaccinated. <laughs> so you still have to isolate even if you were vaccinated for a week. What's the point? Eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. And I started with this scripture, which I'll read again. Hebrews 6.1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the fundamental importance of repenting from sin and placing our faith in God. The Bible teaches you that you can move past the place of having to repent over and over again. When I was growing up at Christian, summer, you know, in the summer, you, they had summer camps for, for the youth group. or the uh, well, Youth group was really when it started to just seem odd to me. So we'd all come. It was all church kids. It was not an outdoor crusade. Obviously, it's not wrong to keep preaching on repentance if you're in a new location all the time. If you do a crusade, uh, an outdoor soul-winning crusade, and you preach on repentance, that's great. Then you move to the next place and start all over again with a new crowd, that's another story. But when you have the same captive audience or the same church, and there aren't several hundred new people flowing through every week, the Bible says, stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again, and move on and become mature in your understanding. So summer camp, captive audience, 500 teenagers, whatever, 400 and they would say, on uh, the first night, the speaker would preach on some kind of message about repentance and salvation. Give the altar call. For some reason, you'd have about 90% of the teenagers from their churches that they came from come forward to receive Jesus Christ, which is uh, not a good sign for the church they're going to. And then Monday night, they would preach on repentance again everybody would come forward and get saved. Tuesday night, how I many know sin is going to send you to hell? You need to stop sinning. You need to repent. There's things you're doing that are wrong that you need to get under the blood. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and the whole crowd come up again to get saved. And I started thinking, what is everyone doing during the day? Because I repented on Sunday night then I played dodgeball most of Monday, ate lunch. We did arts and crafts. I made like some lousy pottery because I'm not good at it. And uh, that was about it. So I don't know what I have to repent for. I don't think I, I did anything wrong. I don't know whether they were out murdering people at the lake or raping or burning down buildings. I don't know what the rest of the campers were doing in the 22 hours since the last service, but Every day you have to come forward and get saved. You know, the Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have life eternal. You can know you're saved. If I preach a strong salvation message, especially when I preached in youth groups starting out, if I preached a strong salvation message 
and it cleared out the seats and everybody came to the altar crying and got saved. I love that. And if I preached a strong salvation message and I, and I could um, feel the presence of God thick in the room and nobody came to get saved, you know what I would think to myself? This youth pastor is doing a good job because the kids were enjoying the preaching. They were not on their heads, but they knew they were saved. In fact, when I youth pastored at a church in Lexington, Massachusetts, when I was in Bible college, I took my youth group to a youth rally, an Assemblies of God youth rally. And the speaker gave an invitation for people to get saved, and he preached really well. And my youth group was the only youth group that didn't come up to get saved. And that made me happy because I knew they could, feel, you know, he preached on all the stuff teenagers go through and thinking unclean thoughts. And all, but they, they, they knew they were saved. They knew they didn't have to come up to the altar and receive Jesus Christ. They knew they had done that. And the Bible teaches in Hebrews 6 that you can settle that. You can settle your salvation. And uh, I'm not going to make many friends doing this because almost everybody does it, including ministers who I really like. So I'm not going to be somebody that splits hairs and like ends friendships over small details. But since I'm not talking to them, I'm talking to you, I am firmly against having the congregation repeat the salvation prayer along with the people that got saved. I don't know how a Christian can pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. What did you do? Kick him out and then invite him back in? Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. I, how am I going to invite, like inviting my wife in my house as we're sitting down to dinner together? Adalis, I invite you to come into my, my house. Uh, I'm here. Have you lost your mind? And then it starts to get people in the mindset that their salvation, it's basically the Protestant version of Catholicism. Come to confession, get enough salvation to last you six weeks, six days, come back, renew your salvation. That's not salvation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is dead. Behold, all things become new. Eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Number one, number one ingredient, living a sin-free life will be based on what you believe. You can write this down under that point. You can write it in the comments. What I believe, I'm empowered to become. What I believe, I'm empowered to become. If you let somebody preach to you and you believe it, that we all sin every day, we, how many of you know we all sin every day? As long as we're in a human body, we're all going to sin. If you believe that, you'll become that. But if you believe what the Bible says, God will empower you to become what the Bible says. The Bible is an odd book. Because when you believe it, it gives you the power to do what it says. So, so if it says you don't have to sin, then you say, I don't know how I could do that. You don't have to know how you can do it. All you have to do is believe. The Bible says in John 1, 12, 
John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as believed him, to them he gave power to become the sons and daughters of God. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it alone is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The message carries power. The Bible is the power of God in print. When you believe it, you become it. Ingredient number one, what you believe. Matthew 5, 48. Jesus said, you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I preached that at a church and uh, a staff pastor at the church argued with me about it the next day after the service. A senior pastor let him do it. I mean, the nerve to be on staff. I'm going to tell you something right now. When we have Revival Today Church, if I had a guest in and one of my staff members came and argued with them about what they preached, they would be fired before they finished their first sentence. I would probably physically throw them out of the building. And the thing is, you said, um, Matthew 5, 48, Jesus said you're to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Did you know that word in the original language means mature? I said, oh, does it? Why don't you get out of concordance and look it up? Oh, I will. And he, he looked it up on his phone, and then I saw his face dropping. No, actually, in this verse, it, it doesn't mean mature. It actually means perfect. Oh, yeah. You know, I've actually studied uh, the Bible. I don't just start popping off at the mouth. You must be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Would God give us a command in his word that, we could, that he didn't also give us the power to carry out? Would God tell us to do something in his word that he didn't give us the power to carry out? If he did, he'd be an unjust God. Anything the Bible tells you to do, you can do. The commands I give you are not too grievous to bear. I can do what God said to do. Jesus didn't say try harder. Jesus didn't say live better. Jesus said you must be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I want you to write this in your notes under this point, and if you would, write it in the comments. It's difficult to hit a small target. It's impossible to hit a target that you don't have. Morning, Christy. It's difficult to hit a small target. It's impossible to hit a target that you don't have. If you think there's no such thing as sin-free living, you'll never hit that mark. That's why the enemy works overtime to get you just tell, re, reinforced to people at church all the time. I mean, I, I've, I've brought it up several times this week. It's very troubling for a preacher to stand up like I heard and say, 
We all sinned last week. We'll sin today. We'll sin this week. But how many know there's forgiveness? That's bad doctrine. If you sinned last week, repent. Don't say we're going to sin today. Don't make plans to transgress against the law of God. And don't begin to speak and use the creative power of your tongue <laughs> to create snares for yourself in the coming week. I know I'm going to miss it again this coming. <laughs> You're stupid. Very stupid. And it's one thing to believe something that dumb. It's another thing to preach it to Christians. Because you're giving them a, a bad target to hit. Sinfulness. <laughs> There's only two kinds of living. Sin-free living and sinful living. Yeah, but Jonathan, that's just one verse, Matthew 5.48. Yes, it's certainly nowhere else in the Bible. In the Old Testament, does it, does it say or does it not say? Be ye holy, even as I am holy. For without holiness, no man shall see God. Be holy, to what extent? Even as I am holy. I'm going to tell you right now, when we start this church, I don't care how talented any musicians are. If they seem sexually immoral... I mean, I'm not even like look for proof. If they seem unclean, they will not be on the platform. I'm not going to have another American church where you can tell half the backup singers are sleeping together. And they're all men. God hates sin. <laughs> he doesn't like it. There's forgiveness, yes. But just like you don't put people with masks on your platform unless you want to keep the spirit of fear alive in your church, what you put on your platform, you're role modeling to the people. You don't role model sin. You don't, who you have on your platform is a stamp of approval to the people. You put effeminate men on the platform, you'll have effeminate men in your congregation. This is so absent from Western church, it's not even funny. You know, there's a, there's a church that's gone through major problems in America, but just a couple years ago, it was the shining example that all the young pastors were shooting for. And I'm not going to mention the name, and if you know the name, don't put it in the comments. I'm just, I'm making a point. It came out that the choir leader of that church was married to one of the male choir members. Two men married in the choir. That's against the Bible. And when it came out, the overseer of that, that group of churches had to tell that pastor that he needs to remove them. The pastor didn't remove them. Now, how can your discernment be so broken that you couldn't tell that? <laughs> you don't pray. Well, then... That pastor has had to step down about uh, two years or three years after that happened because he was sleeping with people in the church. See, it just ran rampant. Filthy things going on in the church. People can't spot it. 
What you allow in your church will magnetize more of that to your church. That's why a lot of churches, and again, I've got to be careful, we're not going to get through the other seven uh, sin-free lessons, but what a lot of churches do in the West is they want to make everyone welcome to come to church, which you should. But if you welcome sinners into church and then there's no power there to deliver them from their sin, the sins they have will actually take over the church. So if you're going to reach out to people that are bound, you better unbind them or they'll bind you. Eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Ingredient number one, what you believe. Well, I don't believe you can, you can ever get to a place where you don't sin. Well, then don't worry, you won't. But, but you're disagreeing with Christ. Be ye perfect. That's written to me. Jonathan, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be ye holy, Jonathan, even as I am holy. For without holiness, no man shall see God. Are those the only two verses like that? Jesus found a, a man who was crippled and healed him, and he told him in John 5, 14, Now you are better, so stop sinning, not sin less. Not, I know you're still going to sin, but there's forgiveness. Now you're better, so stop sinning, lest a worse thing come upon you. Write in the comments and write in your notes, John 5, 14, stop sinning. Jesus told a man to stop sinning. And if Christ told someone to do something, he offers power to fulfill the request. John chapter 8. A woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus told her two things. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and don't ever sin again. And anybody's belief system in the Bible and in the ministry that doesn't have both of those elements is screwed up and faulty. In America, it's all, neither do I condemn you, but there's no go and sin no more. If you've sinned, we're not looking to condemn you. Repent and then quit. There's a church here in Pittsburgh. They had someone testify during the service, never corrected what he said. They amend what he said. I have a problem. The guy gets up on Sunday morning. I have a problem with pornography. I've had a problem with pornography for a long time. And I've asked the Lord to take it away. But the Lord showed me the scripture where God said to Paul, um, I've given you this thorn in the flesh and I, I've asked for it to be taken away. And God said, I won't take it away, but I'll give you grace to go through it. So I believe God's giving me a grace 
to go through this. Oh, yeah, God's given you like a grace to view pornography. That's an interesting doctrine you have there. Everybody, amen. Mm. And the fellowship that that church is under is the same one where the guy had sexual problems that I talked about earlier. You know, there's certain... You should be careful who you link yourself with. Some churches are magnets for sexual immorality. Some church fellowships. There's a very famous preacher. I find it interesting that everyone who claims him as their spiritual father has fallen into sexual immorality. Like everyone. Number one, what you believe. If you believe you can take Paul's thorn in the flesh scripture and apply it to God giving you a grace to stay bound to sin, you're going to go to hell because of what you got deceived into believing. And that's why I have this number one. What you believe matters. That church where that guy gave that testimony that's in this city, if you look at the church leadership on social media, he, him, BLM, she, her. Let me just tell you, in a few years when it comes out that there's major sexual problems in that church, I can't tell you, I'll grab my chest and fight off a heart attack from shock. Number one, what you believe. I don't think it's possible to ever live. You know, when I started preaching this, I had people that I was close to that were (laughs) Pentecostal people. I've never heard of that. Who cares what you've heard of? There's a lot of things you'll never hear of in the Pentecostal church. You'll never hear of prosperity. You'll never hear a victory. You'll never hear that you can have revival right now. It'll be like it's just going to come sovereignly someday, 40 years from now. That's a good scripture, Francis. I'm glad you put that in the comments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to everybody. Turn to 1 John 3, 8. Man, it gets to 11.40 quick. 1 John 3, 8. Let's start at verse... First John 3, 5. And ye know that he was manifested, speaking of Jesus, to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abideth in him 
sinneth not. Whoever abides in Christ does not sin. That's what the Bible says. Whoever sinneth hath not seen him and does not know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. So it was a deception even back then. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as Christ is righteous. And he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For the purpose of God, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is, look at 1 John 3, 9. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. For God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Be honest. How many of you, by emoji hand, that's the first time you've ever heard that scripture read to you? I'll give you one more scripture to shore up your spiritual strength on this. Go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Key scripture. Key scripture for this subject. First Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. When people say they struggle with sin, they always glorify how strong the attack, you know, the, sometimes I just get overcome and that there's like nothing I can do. Bullcrap. There is no temptation that's ever taken you except that is common to men. You don't have some special, powerful sin that's over you that you can't break free from. Uh, Mike wrote, you can't love God and money. Either you love one, hate other, or love neither. One man in his bail, worship Egypt, pyramids, retirement plans, pastors, paychecks. Jesus was homeless. Peter almost homeless. Mike, great to see they have Wi-Fi in whatever mental institution you're in. You can just picture him typing, like, Jesus, eating crayons. Mike, I have a word for you. Punctuation. First Corinthians ten thirteen. There hath no temptation taken you, such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. But will with the temptation always how many times? Right always will always 
make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God will never allow you to be tempted more than what you can bear. You know, I was just overcome. No, you weren't. You allowed yourself to be overcome, just like I could allow my eight-year-old daughter to pin me in a wrestling match. But she's not stronger than me. I let it happen. God will never allow you to be tempted past what you can bear. And secondly, he'll always make a way of escape so that you can stay in victory. Now, if that scripture is true, and it is, then though it's possible to fall into sin, it's impossible to be overcome by sin. So you can make a choice, but you don't have to. And that's why this is number one. Eight essential ingredients to, living a sin free, to live a sin-free life. Number one, you have to believe that it's possible and understand it out of the Bible. The Bible tells you it's possible. And I'm going to tell you, there's, I grew up in Pentecostal church. And then I started to discover a uh, word of faith, which greatly helped my life. Word of faith teaching, the charismatic movement, which I had never been a part of. Those two streams, when they come together, are very powerful because both of them lack things. I'm not talking about Kenneth Hagin. I'm talking about the word of faith movement as it is now. The charismatic movement as it is now. I'll say that, not word of faith. Let me say charismatic. Charismatics have greater revelation than Pentecostals. They know a lot about healing. They know a lot about miracles and the gifts of the Spirit. Pentecostals would leave everything into the realm of like, oh, Lord, just sovereignly move. We ask you to heal today. They didn't understand that there was a way you could grab it and operate in it. But Pentecostals have something that charismatics don't have, by and large, and it's called reverence, a value for holiness. You go to a charismatic church, it looks like atoms under a molecular microscope. People are moving all the time. People are up going to the bathroom five and six times during the message, talking to people out in the lobby. You know, I go to charismatic churches, I have to tell people on my way, you know, like service has started. They're singing, hey, Jonathan, I want to, I'm not here to talk. It's worship time. I don't come in the church with a coffee. I think Pentecostals don't tell you, listen, if you feel comfortable, you can stand up and worship. Otherwise, you just stay in your seat and sip your coffee. No, there's a reverence for God and a value for holiness that is not in the charismatic movement. And it's crippled the charismatic movement. Casual drinking, casual sleeping around. And then actually, um, then, then, it, then if there's a failure, because they have no value for holiness by and large, they blame the, they blame the person who disciplines them. 
You know, the church is the only institution that buries its wounded, you know. I, when I read my Bible, I read a lot about grace, amen. No. God will forgive you. But if, you, if they found out you were sleeping with a lady in your congregation, you probably should take a few Sundays off. Pop up like nothing happened. You have major problems. That's why, you know, how many you know there's forgiveness? And many of you heard this week that I had an affair and, you know, um, an inappropriate relationship, and I apologize, but, you know, I'm not going to let it stop God's plan for my life. I'm, and that's why then it pops up again in, in another 18 months or three years because there's no understanding that you, you have a, a, a problem that needs dealt with. It's not a small thing. You need to take your life seriously. Sin can knock you off, off course for 20 or 30 years to get back to where you left. That's why you need to, you need to take it seriously and not make an allowance for it in how you believe. Well, you know, I'll sin to... No. <laughs> you, you, you let continued sin fester in your life, it'll set up as a stronghold. It'll start dictating your life to you. You hear how I'm preaching today, right now? You hear how I've preached in the past? Obviously, if it ever came out that I had a lady on the side... I had been cheating on Adonis. I had another family out in the Midwest that nobody knew about. I would lose 70 to 80% probably of the people who support me right now financially who give to this ministry. Be done. That would, I would go backwards. And it wouldn't matter how much I got on camera and railed. The, I mean, people don't have any grace, you know. You find out, I'm just a man. When people don't have any forgiveness. My Bible says that you, we should forgive others as God's forgiveness. It wouldn't matter. It would take me out. It would cause a problem. Because it wouldn't matter how much I scolded people. My credibility was shot. It would take a long time to recover if I ever did. <laughs> you know, think about it. Even if I ever was able to get back to where I, where I was. It, now, <laughs> I would be where? I would be at 68 years old or 72 years old where I could have been at 41 years old. And you only have one life. You can't throw 15 and 20 year segments of your life away. You get like four of those. Got to value time. How many know we all make mistakes? I'd be careful about saying that. You're going to be hard pressed to find a mistake in the Bible that somebody instantly recovered from. Some mistakes people recover from quickly and at a low cost, but there is still a cost of time and money. And I would say most mistakes that people make, they recover from at a cost of great time and great 
money. And then some mistakes people never recover from. Some mistakes people never recover from. Number one, eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. You know, think about it. I want you to write that in the comments. Some mistakes people never recover from. Ever heard of Ananias and Sapphira? They made a mistake. They lied about their offering to the Holy Ghost, and they died. I mean, you can always come back. God's the God of comebacks. You better be careful with a stupid theology. God wants to turn your mess into a message. No, actually, he just wants you. He actually already has a message. And then if you live clean, you can be a vessel that preaches the message. He doesn't need your mess to add an A-G-E to. People love that kind of preaching. People love stupid preaching. Amen. As if God had some kind of like cosmic plan in you having a live-in boyfriend. He's going to take that mess. We'll take it into a message. Okay. I've heard people say this. Many people say this. You know, if, if you lived a perfect life, how could you ever relate to people that are in sin? God uses the times where we were away from him so that we can relate to the people who are away from him. Otherwise, if you're Mr. Perfect, you can't relate to those people. Well, Jesus must have had one sucky ministry then. Couldn't relate to anybody. You relate to people by the anointing, not by the fact that you're bound by the same thing. Number one, eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Number one, what you believe. I believe from the word of God that I, I can live in total dominion over sin. Number two, understanding perfection is a path, not a destination. Please write that down. Perfection is a path, not a destination you arrive at. You don't wake up one day and say, I'm, I'm oh, good, it worked, I'm perfect. Temptation in this world is inevitable, but the power to overcome temptation has been provided. It's a path I walk, not a destination I arrive at. And if you'll get that number two with the number one, it helps. Well, I, well, Jonathan proved it from Scripture. I just don't know how, because sometimes I still feel angry. Or, no, it's not. You always have your body to deal with, but you can keep the flesh under subjection to the Spirit. You can always take the way out. God always provides a way out. So it's a path I choose to walk, not a destination I arrive at. It's a path I have to choose to walk every day. But you're not going to choose to walk it if somebody tells you that path is closed or doesn't exist. 
We all walk the path of mistakes and sin. No, there's another path. It's a straight and narrow path, constantly being restricted by pressure, and that's the one that I walk. God always makes a way of escape. I've got a friend that's in the ministry who was into hard drugs, got clean from hard drugs, and was working uh, at a resort in Hawaii. And as often happens in the restaurant industries and other industries, towards the end of the shift, they started to break out cocaine in the back kitchen. Women started to take their tops off that work there, and they're going to have a big cocaine-fueled wild party. And when they popped the cocaine out, his flesh had the desire for it. And he said, I said, Lord, I need help because I know I had gotten clean. And if I, take one, if I do one line of that and participate in this party, <laughs> I don't know if I'm coming back ever. And if I do, it'll be a while. And a lot of people, he said, I thought about how my pastor had just helped me out of this and trusted in me. They had just started giving me leadership position at the church. And he said, when I said that, God, I need help. I heard an audible voice say, run. And he said, I ran out of the kitchen and quit the job. So sometimes the way of escape is what Joseph did. Run. Sometimes you need to leave. You, know, you, go over, you go over a friend's house forever and they start putting filthy stuff on TV and everybody's, and you think, well, if I get up and leave, they're, leave. Who cares what they think? They didn't care enough about what you think to not break the stuff out they broke out. Quit caring what people that are committed to go to hell think about your commitment to go to heaven. Be ashamed to be freaking 41 years old and still run by peer pressure. Understand perfection is a path, not a destination. Good to see you in Cape Town. Number three, eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Your ability to live a sin-free life will be determined by what you feed on. Turn to John 15:3. John 15, 3, Jesus said, Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. The Greek word, katharos, real heart purity. Now you are clean, how? By the word that I've spoken to you. 
When you sit here with me every day for an hour and a half, there's no way you don't leave feeling cleaner. You got a word shower. The word purifies and cleanses. I just need God. Oh, Lord, give me purity. Give me a pure heart. Read the Bible. Listen to the word. Feed on the word. See, that's something that I picked on charismatics. That's something Pentecostals would do. They don't have any understanding how to get to a destination. They just beg for it. Oh, Lord, give us holiness. Give us holiness. What do you want him to give you that he hasn't already given? The Bible gives you the, the instructions on how to lay hold to the things the Bible says. Lord, give us faith. Give us faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So quit your moaning. Make us pure. Purify us. I've made you pure by the word I've spoken to you. Do the things that God said lead to the destination you're looking to get to. Fill me. Fill me with your power. Get hands laid on you. Ignorance moans. Disguise your ignorance with tears and a scrunched up constipation face. Make me pure. pure. Can't picture Jesus praying like that. Sorry. I have made you pure. I've made you clean through the word which I've spoken to you. So how do you, how do you live in victory over sin? Feed on the word of God every day. God's word, it tells you, it straightens you out and corrects you on its own. It purifies you. It empowers you. Correct that. I mean, uh, not correct that. Write that down. God's word corrects, purifies, and empowers. It'll point out little areas in your life that need a tune-up. It'll clean you. It'll empower you. And it'll correct you. Feed on the Word of God. You take the best boxer in the world, Floyd Mayweather. I could beat him in a fight in under one round in a boxing match, provided I was allowed to choose our two training regimens. If my training regimen was to work out every day and eat well, and I made his tra training regimen, he was put in a cage and fed a half slice of Wonder Bread and a half cup of water every day for six months. His muscles would be atrophied from not moving around and being confined to that cage. He would be extremely weak and immobile. And when we got in the ring, I could, I could probably beat him in less than a minute. You have a flesh nature, you have a spirit man. Starve the flesh and feed the spirit. And when there's a conflict between the two, Instead of your flesh being a, a, 
gorilla on HGH and steroids and your spirit man being Pee Wee Herman. You can actually flip it around and have a strong spirit and a weak flesh. If you pop earphones in it every day on the bus or tr public transportation and listen to um, Cardi B, you're going ha to live in sexual sin. You're feeding the uncleanness that's in that artist is being transferred to you by their word. The word of God makes you clean. The word of people that are bound by devils makes you dirty. If you listen to suicidal rock musicians, you're going to battle suicide. They transfer their spirit to you by their songs. I tried so hard, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, put that on repeat. Let me know how you're doing in a month. Number three, eight ingredients, eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. What I feed on. Here's a song they taught you in Christian school or Sunday school when you were five that would be a good one to relearn at 40. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Simple, but great theology. Careful little feet where you go. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little eyes what you see. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, above all else, guard your heart. Now, this is a pretty big book. So if it says, above everything else, guard your heart, it's probably pretty important. Guard your heart. Why? For out of it flow the issues of life, or it affects everything you do. So you can't live, you can't choose to live a certain way. What you filled your heart with determines how you live. You pre-program your life by what you put in your heart. My father, my father would go preach in the villages in Alaska that didn't have internet or TV. I'm talking remote, dog-sled Alaskan villages. All of the teenagers were dressed like you would expect them to be dressed. Animal skin coats. You know, they were dressed like, like, like Arctic tribal people. And then the villages got internet. And my dad went back, and those same teenagers now had backwards New York Yankees hats on, dressed like they were somebody from Detroit. What goes in your eyes, what goes in your ears, affects who you become. You can tell in the ministry. See a preacher all of a sudden start wearing high tops and skinny jeans and a tunic t-shirt and a chain. 
Hey, have you ever heard Stephen Furtick? No, but I can see you have. People become like what they fill themselves with. And I'm not, I'm not using that as a bad example. I'm just saying it affects. People get into rap. Next thing you know, they look like they're a member of the Crips from South Central Los Angeles, and they live in a cornfield in Indiana or the Arctic. <laughs> so what you fill your heart with comes out. Above all else, guard your heart. Your heart only has two entrances to it. Eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Number three, my sin-free life will be determined by what I choose to feed on. Number four, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Is that Proverbs 27.3? If it is, I pulled that out of my spirit. It's only in the King James, I know that. Nope. Where is it? Ah, switched them around. Proverbs 23, 7. Liz Dexia. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want you to write that down. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Ingredient number four. How you see yourself will determine whether you live free from sin or not. See yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. See yourself as a king and priest of God on this earth. I don't belong in that club. I don't belong at that bar. I'm a king. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, to drink and be given to alcohol. I don't see myself as a 40-year-old, you know, I have some money, you know, it's time to enjoy. No, that ain't me. I'm a man of God. And I conduct myself and talk and, and dress and everything like an ambassador of heaven. See yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. Maybe with lipstick or whatever, if you're a lady, write that on your mirror wherever you get ready in the morning. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And say that. See yourself that way. My goal in life is not to look hot. I mean, you're basically going to have to make a break from that if you live in the West because everything's just about, everything's about sex. Everything's about looking sexually attractive. You get people in their 70s getting breast implants, you know, trying to look hot as a great-grandmother because that's what our culture is. Our culture, everything's about sex. People identify their lives by sexual preference. 
the stupidest thing. I'm gay. Who cares? Who asked? Don't care. But if, if you go in the spirit of the world, everything will be defined by looking hot. Every Instagram post. You got to break that. That's Luciferian. How did Satan fall out of heaven? The Bible says he was consumed with lust for his own appearance. When somebody's uploading a, you know, you give you put up a selfie once a year or whatever, you let it slide. But if you're, if you're putting up like three a day, you know, you're probably demon possessed. There's a man preacher that wrote that. Wrote that. He wrote, wrote a picture of himself, you know, like this, and wrote, 60 is the new sexy. Like, uh, no, it's not. I can, I'll tell you right now. You look like a 60-year-old man with mental problems. Don't let your life revolve around your appearance. appearance. You know, I've been going to the gym about six times a, a week now that I'm, I'm home, now that I've been home, I'm not doing it to look hot. In fact, <laughs> as proof, see this nice jacket I have zipped up? I'm going to go to the gym right after this. I have a t-shirt on underneath. And then see these mismatched wind pants, black and gold that I have with my navy blue dress jacket? I'm not going to the gym to look hot. I'm looking to the, going to the gym to not die. And increase my body mobility. And not, you know, I, I'm making plans. Basically, I'm making plans right now for if Jesus tarries my ministry when I'm 70. I don't want to be where I, you know, I, can't, I can preach about two, two of these. We're doing a week of meetings. I can preach about two of them. And, you know, I, it takes a lot out of me. No, I want to be going strong at 70. And those are, you start sowing those seeds now. Just like I'm reaping a financial harvest at 40 from seeds I sowed in my 20s. There was a package on the ground outside of my house yesterday. And I did something that just blew me away. I bent over and picked it up. I didn't have to get down on one knee. So I'm I'm getting my I'm I'm keeping this vessel in shape to preach so I can still preach strong when I'm in my in my 70s. And other than my trainer, I don't think I've talked to one person at the gym uh, in two years. I'm not there to hook up. <laughs> I'm, uh, again, the whole reason I'm going to the gym is to not die, so it would defeat the purpose if I made a girlfriend there and then uh, in great shape, a dollar shot me to death. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not on that track. I'm not on it. I'm on the track to go to heaven and have a fruitful ministry on the way there.
Number four, what you see yourself as. Number five, death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. Number five, what you confess. Eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Number five, what you confess. You will never hear me say, I'm a sinner. You'll never hear me say, as long as I'm in a human body, I'm going to sin. I don't make demonic confessions that are anti the word of God. I am righteous, even as Christ is righteous. You want to know? This sounds too simple. And if there's any ministers watching me, this works, believe it or not. Get your congregation and the people that God's entrusted your care into your care to learn to confess righteousness. I've just been battling sin. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. And now I want you to lift your hands and say this. Father, I thank you that because of the blood of Jesus, I'm righteous even as Christ is righteous. The Holy Spirit lives in me. The spirit of righteousness that's come to convict the world of sin lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And obviously, that would chiefly include, under all things, living in total victory over sin. Thank you that I'm righteous. Thank you that I'm pure. Thank you that I'm holy. Write that in the comments. Write it in your notes. Say it out loud where you're at right now. Thank you that I'm pure. Thank you that I'm holy. Thank you that I'm righteous. Thank you, Father, that I'm pure. Thank you. I'm an abuse victim. No, you're pure. You're righteous. You're holy. Thank you that I'm pure. Thank you that I'm righteous. Thank you that I'm holy. Don't confess anything else. I don't care if they tell you to repeat it from the platform. Keep your mouth shut. I want you to use every, I'll, let's all just say this prayer together. Father, I'm a sinner. Uh, no, you can pray it. You're on your own, champ. Let's just all say this prayer. You never notice there's no anointing on that prayer. Let's just all pray this prayer as a congregation. Father, we come to you today as sinners. Lord, we're, we're professional screw-ups. God, we're just broken people. You know, keep talking. De devil's behind you going like this. Great prayer. I couldn't have come up with one that <laughs> crappy myself. Father, we confess to you today that we're, we're broken people. We, we're messy people. And you've chosen to go there as your church and have your children listen to that. I don't think your brain works properly, to be honest with you. Number six, eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Ingredient number six, what you talk about. Now, how's that different from your confession? Your confession is what you confess about yourself. I'm talking about your daily conversation. What you speak about will actually stir those things up in you. I mean, yesterday I, I launched out to, to teach on something entirely different, and in answering somebody's question, started talking about another topic, and it stirred me up to the point that I talked about it for another hour and a half. 
if you talk about sex, it stirs up in you a desire to have sex. That's why the Bible says to avoid filthy speaking and coarse, because you talk about that and it stirs up it up in your flesh. You talk about you talk about sin, it stirs up a desire for sin. That's why the Bible says to speak in a way that stirs up a desire in each other to do good works. You talk about soul winning, it makes you want to win souls. You want to know the greatest secret to, to, to staying on an extended fast and not breaking the fast that I found? I listen to teaching and preaching on fasting every day of the fast. It actually makes me want to not eat and makes me want to press in on the fast. And on the flip side, if I played on the TV some local restaurant video that they made about a new dish they have, I'm going to want to eat and hear them talking about the food. Talking about fasting makes you want to fast. Talking about soul winning makes you want to win souls. Talking about reaching the lost and the hurting and dying makes you want to go in evangelism. That clip I play of Dag Haywood Mills talking about evangelism makes you, makes you want to go for it. What you talk about. Talk about your dreams with the right people. Stir it, keep it stirred up. Honey, one day soon we're going to have land and property. We're going to have an office and a television studio. Talk about it. It stirs it up in you. So it's not just not saying bad things. It's saying good things. Number seven. Proverbs, uh, is it 13? They that walk with the wise will become wise themselves, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Number seven, eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Number seven, who you surround yourself with. You cannot go to heaven tied to people intent on going to hell. And on the flip side, if you tie yourself to people intent on going to heaven, you'll probably join them. Keep people around you that are, that are holy living people. I don't hang out with ministers who drink. Ever. I don't want that kind of ministry. I don't hang out with ministers that sleep around. I'm not saying that. I, you know, listen to what I say and not what I don't say. I don't condemn them, but I don't hang out with them. I hang out with people who live holy. And it rubs off on me. And it also makes it very hard to sin when your present company has no interest in sinning. If I wanted to drink, who would I drink with? Who could I buy the alcohol with? I actually don't have anybody I know in my life that would go to a bar with me. They wouldn't go. They'd, and they'd try to talk me out of it if I told them I was going. I don't have anybody to go to a strip club with. They wouldn't go with me. And they'd try to talk me out of going. I, wherever, wherever there's sin... There's nobody in my life that would want to go. And the people I know would have a harsh conversation with me. They say, what are you, you're joking around? No, I'm serious. I want to go. It's Friday night. Let's go. I'm not going. And you, don't, you shouldn't go either. Some of them would probably grab me by both sides of my head and just start praying in tongues. Let go of him, you unclean spirit. 
I don't have anybody in my life to buy marijuana from. I don't even know where to get it. I don't know where you get the paper for it. They that walk with the wise will become wise themselves, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Who you surround yourself with. I mean, I got Camila in my life who feels it's her mission in life to keep everybody straight. Mom, Mama, don't say that. Pa, don't say that. What did we have on TV? It was like it was like a commercial. And it had like violence in the commercial. And she went, Pa, be careful, little eyes. It's nice. You actually don't even <laughs> you don't even need the Holy Spirit around when she's around because she does his work for him. Just go around convicting everybody. Anybody <laughs> little kids do that. You know, when I was, I think if my mom's on, she could tell the exact age, but it was between the ages of three and five. And I was at the grocery store with her, and a guy picked up a, a six-pack of beer, 24 case of beer, whatever. And I, my, when I saw him pick it up, I went, you know, back then I had a speech impediment. I went, mister, what are you doing? And he just looked at me and went, don't you know if you drink that, you're going to go to hell? He, he glared at my mom and stormed off. I didn't know. I'd just been listening to preaching every night on how that's bad. Has this guy not been paying attention in church? He's literally doing the exact opposite of what the preacher said to do. So I tried to help him. He wouldn't listen. Number seven, who you surround yourself with. Number eight, Know how to navigate problem scriptures. And I have problem scriptures in quotes. I'll give you one. Because if you shared this with someone, here's the verse. People committed to sinning. Amazing how you can tell people they can live holy, and they're so committed to not. No, that's not about the Bible verse that I've always used to allow myself to sin. They have easy explanations. You know, anytime the Bible clearly says something, and you hear somebody say, well, what about this scripture? The Bible doesn't say two different things, so obviously you just need to properly understand the other scripture. First John 1 John 1.7, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If verse 8, Jonathan said you don't have to live in sin, but the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So anybody that says they don't sin, they're fooling themselves and they're not living in the truth. Well, no, you should keep reading. Verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. So there it is again, Jonathan. <coughs> Keep reading. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, so that you sin not. So did John have schizophrenia? If you ever say you don't sin, then you're a liar. 
And I'm writing this so that you don't sin anymore. So John had mental problems. Or is the proper interpretation, which it is, that if someone says, I don't have any sin, I don't need Jesus, I don't need his blood, I don't need to be born again, I'm a pretty good person. Or maybe they go to a new charismatic church with a young, cool pastor that says, I'm posting today on social media to let you know that you're enough, amen. We're enough. Who needs Jesus? We're enough. The message of the new charismatic church, we're enough. Who needs his blood? Who needs the Holy Ghost? We're enough. I'm going to discover the real me. Anyone who talks like that's a liar and the truth of God's not in them. That's what that's talking about. Because I write this to you so that you do not sin. And then in the same book, same author. When people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. Verse 9, 1 John 3, 9. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sin because God's life is in them. They, they don't keep sinning. If any man says he doesn't have sin, that man's a liar and God's truth's not in him. Talking about an unregenerate person who says they don't need to be born again. There's a, there's a Bible, there's a bumper sticker that people have in America. It says, born okay the first time. In other words, I don't need to be born again. I'm fine as I am. I like me. I'm fine. I don't need Jesus, I don't need Jesus to change my life. My life's perfect, isn't it? That man's a liar and the truth of God's not in him. Not somebody who walks in righteousness. How about another one? Then I'll leave you alone. Romans 5. Sorry, Romans 7. People preach whole messages on this. Romans 7, 21. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power that's at work within us, amen, that's at war with our mind, and it makes me a slave to sin that's still within me. How many know as long as Paul's saying here, as long as we're in this body, we'll still be slaves to sin? No, keep reading. He's writing from the perspective of somebody that doesn't know God. I want to do what's right, but I'm still bound to this power. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, if it's ended right there, then you can throw everything I said away. But there's people literally stop there and preach on that. I mean, no. As long as we're in this body, we'll be miserable because it's dominated by sin, the Bible says. Read the next verse. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Chapter 8, verse 1. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Remember the second part of the verse. How many know, I've, many of you heard I had an affair this week, but how many know there's no condemnation? No, there's no condemnation through Christ Jesus 
Second part, for those who choose to walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Verse 2, and because you belong to Christ, the power of the Holy Ghost has freed you, not will free you, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So the thing that Paul said makes you a miserable person, the answer is in Jesus Christ who gave us the Holy Ghost, who freed us from the power of sin and death. Amen? Eight essential ingredients to live a sin-free life. Now let me cover this. What do you do if you mess up? Let's say you mess up. And when I say, let's say you, you uh, just lied for some reason. I'm not, talking, I'm not putting like an affair under a mess up. I'm talking about from now on. Don't call it a mess. I'm saying you, 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 anger got control of you and you let it out. You said stuff you shouldn't. What do you do now? Because I'll tell you what weak-minded people would do. Well, Jonathan taught we don't have to sin, but I, I did. So I guess, it, you know, for me, no. If you sin, and notice in 1 John chapter 1, it doesn't say when you sin. If it did, then that would tell you you have to sin. It says if you sin. Write that. If you sin. Not when you sin. If you sin. What do you do? Get discouraged and give up? No. Confess your sin to God. And when you do, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and, and it's a big end, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He doesn't just forgive you. He cleans you. He cleans it out of you. And a lot of times when you're overcome with disappointment because you made a mistake, said something you shouldn't have to your wife, you confess it to God, but you still feel like you're under it. That is a great scripture to quote. You should actually quote that scripture back to the Lord. Father, I repent. I messed up. I thank you that your word says in 1 John chapter 1 that if I confess this sin to you, you are faithful to forgive me of it. That, see, that takes it out of the realm of your feelings. You know, I just don't feel forgiven. Who cares what you feel? You said in your word, if I confess it to you, you forgive me of it, and you cleanse me of any wickedness or unrighteousness it's brought into me. So I receive your forgiveness, and I receive your cleansing. In Jesus' name. Amen. And then get back on the path. Perfection's not a destination. It's a path. If you stepped off of it, get back on and don't leave again. The end. If you need to receive Jesus Christ today, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Pray it out loud and from your heart. Maybe as I've been speaking, you realize, you know, Western church teaching has put that alive in you, has allowed you to make a soft spot for sin, and now you know you, you, can, you can kick out that tenant. You can get rid of sin. Say this out loud, Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. As I confess my sin to you, I thank you that you forgive me of it and cleanse me 
of all unrighteousness. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your cleansing. I believe in my heart you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God, or welcome back to the family of God. Let me know that you prayed with me, right I did. And um, also go to revivaltoday.com, click I just got saved and fill that out completely, and I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials I produce to help people live the Christian life. That's awesome, Joey. Financial testimony. Me and my wage are about to have a baby. Me and my wife are about to have a baby. She wants to stay home and raise our child. I've been believing and proclaiming a promotion at my job and a pay raise, and my boss told me yesterday what my, asked me yesterday what my wife made and said they would add what she makes to my check, whatever her job was making. Man, what an answer to prayer. That, that's unusual. See, you, you can have what you want. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He had a specific desire. God gave him exactly what he desired. Look at all the people that love Maddie. Maddie's teaching changed my life and perspective to believe the word of God. I can't wait to see Maddie today. I hope it's live. If not, I'm watching reruns. Wow, that's, they, love, they love Maddie. Me and Maddie have never gotten along, but she does a good job, so I put her, put her on every day. She's very difficult to get along with off air. Total diva. She's like, uh, like Whitney Houston in 1989. She's like a, she's like a more demanding share. Hope today helped. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow seed. Uh, but before you do, you are under obligation to come see me in West Virginia tonight and all this weekend. West Virginia is closer than you think, you know. If you're in Kentucky, if you're in Pennsylvania, obviously, Ohio, Virginia, come see me starting tonight. Through Sunday. Next weekend, if you're in the Mid-Atlantic, Northeast, come see me in Millville, New Jersey. Friday through Sunday. And then, if you're down south, come see me in Warner Robins, Georgia. 21st to the 23rd, Friday to Sunday. Oh, that's awesome, Delise. Oh, that's great. It's going to be good to see all you. We're building the church. 
We're feeding children. We're preaching the gospel all over the world. If you stand with us, God's blessings will stand with you. Here's the ways you can give. Hashtag donate on Facebook. Text RT to 50155. That's right, Victoria. I like the way you think. Uh, Cash app, dollar sign RT give. Venmo, at RT give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. I'll see you Sunday, Sam. That's awesome. You can always just go to revivaltoday.com and click give now. Everything's there, including cryptocurrency, or you can scan that QR code. If you want to mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim your offer. Or you can call and speak to a human being, 412-446-2332. Thanks, Joey. I'm believing for 500 people that will sow $1,000. To those 500, I'm sending this new Bible that has pictures in it of our 20 years in, the, uh, in evangelism being made right now. I'm believing for 100 people that will sow at the $5,000 level or more. If you do that along with that Bible... I'll send you 20 years of my preaching on a two-terabyte hard drive with a USB port so you can listen to it. I want to thank all the businesses and ministries that have sown 10000 20000 We had a business give 20000 yesterday, and they said, go back on Daystar. That, you don't know how much that encourages me. 25000 50000 I want to thank everybody that's done the five-figure level that's, that's a business, and if you want to get in on that as a business, I'll say thank you in advance. We got, that church is going to be a, a lighthouse for God. They're going to play the promo of it so you can see what God's doing. I love you. I'll see you tonight. In, um, yeah, we're going to have our own channel on Roku starting June 1st. They must have found out because the stock was up 14% this morning. The market reacted favorably to the news. <laughs> That's cool, Sarah. Dallas will be back, don't worry. Love you too. See you tonight in West Virginia. I think I covered everything. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.